start to read from chapter 1 and verse 1. And it says, Now it came to pass in the thirteenth year, in the fourth month, in the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river of Chebar, that the heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. Just bow in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father and Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, once again, Lord, we give you honour and glory that we're in your presence. Lord, once again, Lord, we are a privileged people, not only to be this side of the cross, but Lord, to have something very precious in our very hands this morning. And that is the word of God. Lord, give these clay lips, Lord, the utterance. Lord, to expound, Lord, on what the Holy Spirit has given the utterance these men to write upon these pages. Lord, help me, Lord, in my weakness this morning. Lord, to convey the message onto your people. Because, Lord, it is not mine, but it's yours, Lord. Lord, we just give you thanks, Lord, that you are so faithful that you come to meet with us, Lord. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, that we do not praise, Lord, a tomb or a grave. But Lord, there is an empty tomb because you have risen. Lord, we just give you all the glory this morning. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Now, it's hard even to go into the book of Ezekiel without even, without trying to, to give some kind of background as to what is happening, because it's just a book that isn't read very often, <clears throat> because people usually get to the first chapter and think, no, I'm not even going there when they see all these visions and everything, but it's a real worthwhile book to get into. It's a beautiful book. But what has happened, just to try and fill you in a wee bit, <clears throat> is that the house of Israel, after um, Solomon, the king had died, had split into two. So you had the the northern house of Israel and the southern house of Judah. And by this time that we're talking about, the the northern house of Israel, they'd they'd been taken away uh, by the Assyrians, uh, and they'd been taken away, so they were gone. So the the only house that was left was Judah, the southern house. And what we're talking about now is <clears throat> there was Ezekiel. He was one of, the, one of the prophets. But you find that he was in captivity when he was actually, when he was writing this. So when you look at it, Nebuchadnezzar had attacked Judah three times. Three times. He'd actually come down and he was actually warring with Egypt at the time, Pharaoh. And then on his way back, he attacked Judah for the first time. And in that first time, that was called the the first deportation. And that's when you find Daniel was taken. Because he he took all the upper class, if you like, of Judah out and and took them back to Babylon. And and Daniel was like a statesman. So he was taken away. And then because of rebellion and everything else, he came back a second time and attacked them and then this time he took more people and this is when Ezekiel was taken 
And then the third and final time, he completely destroyed nearly everything and took more or less everybody away. But you'll find Ezekiel <clears throat> is, he's in the time of the same time Daniel was and the same time Jeremiah was. Now, a lot of people say Ezekiel and Jeremiah knew each other, but you'll find that Ezekiel never ever mentions Jeremiah, but he does mention Daniel, which leads me to believe that Ezekiel was probably older than Jeremiah and he was taken away before Jeremiah even started his ministry. So that's just a bit of a, <clears throat> a background of it. And Ezekiel was, was a priest, but he, uh, his father was a priest. So he was, he was grew up in all that, and he would have known a lot of things, of, obviously, of the priesthood and the symbols of it. So you find that Ezekiel is written in a lot of symbols and things, but he would have known a lot of this. <clears throat> and Ezekiel's name means God strengthens. God strengthens. So when you get this, first of all, when you hear about this vision, it says the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. Well, you see, Ezekiel <clears throat> probably was mighty relieved at seeing this vision because Ezekiel would have been a man, a priest, obviously, but he would have known, he would have had it in his head as he was sat by that river that God has completely forsaken us. We walked away from him, and that's it. He wants nothing more to do with us. We've been taken away. So when he sees this vision, it will be like a breath of fresh air to him. The Lord knows we're here. He knows we're here. But also, Ezekiel had to understand something by seeing this vision. Because you have to understand the mindset of the Old Testament. He would have thought straight away that we can't ever commune with the Lord anymore. Because the temple's not here. We can't worship. We can't pray. Because there's no temple. We're completely cut off from God. Now that's what he would have thought. That's what he would have thought. But you notice how the Lord starts to reveal things to him. Go down to verses 4 and 5 in chapter 1. And you'll start to see this. And it says, <clears throat> I looked and behold a whirlwind came out of the north. A great cloud and fire enfolding itself, and a brightness was about it. And out of the midst thereof of the colour of amber, out of the midst of the fire, also out of the midst thereof came the likeness look of four living creatures. And this was the appearance they had, the likeness of a man. Now I'd let your eye run down to verse 10. There's got to be a few scriptures in this, but I want to show you this. As for the likeness of their faces, they had... Therefore had the face of a man, the face of a lion on the right side, and therefore had the face of an ox on the left side, and therefore had the face of an eagle. <clears throat> now you'll notice the number four mentioned a lot. Now the number four means order or a completeness. So it was order that he was showing him. But also when, when Ezekiel seen these creatures doesn't literally mean it was a symbolicness to it. It doesn't literally mean that there was creatures all floating around what he saw. But he would have known straight away that the creatures, man, in the likeness of a man, would have been Reuben. Now you can probably see it on the wall. You'll see man there, Reuben. It was the tribe. And then the lion, which was Judah. And then the eagle, which was Dan. And the ox, which was Ephraim. Now, the thing is about this, they were in a certain order. And there was a reason for this. Because Dan was in the north, 
when you seen the tabernacle in the wilderness, they set themselves in array. It was actually like a cross. So you had Dan who was in the north, and then you would have had Reuben in the south, and Judah on the east side, and then Ephraim on the west. So these would have been the head of the tribes, each one of them. You can even see it on the wall. They would have been the head of the tribes. So as soon as Ezekiel seen these creatures, he would have known straight away one thing. You see all the tribes that I thought was been scattered and taken away. The Lord knows exactly where they are. He's got it all in order because they're all in order in the way it was in the wilderness. So straight away he'd have known they're all in order. So, and then we get to, let your eye run down to verse 20 in chapter 1. It says, Whither so the spirit was to go, they went. Whether was their spirit to go, and the wheels were lifted up over against them, for the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. Now, I've heard all sorts of nonsense about chapter 1, UFOs mainly. You, you wouldn't believe it like, but these wheels, wheels within wheels it talks about. This is just giving an illustration of a movement. That's all it is. It's an illustration of a movement. So let your eye run down to verse 26. And it says, Above the firmament that was over their heads was the likeness of a throne, as the appearance of a sapphire stone. And upon the likeness of the throne was a likeness as the appearance of man above upon it. Now, it says the appearance of sapphire stone. Now, this is important because what you'll find is that Moses, when he was in the wilderness, he was told to make uh, a breastplate for the high priest. And, he, and in the breastplate, he was told to put precious stones in it. And each one of them stones would have represented a tribe, a tribe of Israel. Now, the sapphire stone represented Dan. But Dan's name means... Um, it means God hath judged. That's what it means. So when you see the appearance of a sapphire stone, it basically means God has judged you. He was the lawgiver. So Ezekiel was saying this. You know, Lord, where their tribes are, and you've judged us. This is of you. And he knew it straight away. Everything been taken away. Everything that had happened, it was of the Lord. So when you get to have a look at Ezekiel's vision, he was being told that, he, that the Lord had everything in control, in order regarding the tribes of Israel. And then he was shown the wheels which were on the throne, which then he understood that the tabernacle or the place where he thought he had to worship and had to pray. He started to understand that God's influence was everywhere. And he could not, all the tribes of Israel could not be outside of the Lord's influence, of his dominion. And then you have the throne or the judgment seat. And this was to show Ezekiel, I'm on the throne. I'm in control. So this was all that Ezekiel was getting from this vision. So trust me, the next time you hear about UFOs, like you'll know it's a load of nonsense basically anyway. But if you turn with me now to chapter 2 and verse 2. So you see Ezekiel got a vision there. A vision of the Lord. Chapter 2 verse 2. Probably be a bit like a Bible study this morning. 
And it says, and the spirit entered into me when he spake unto me and set me upon my feet that I heard him that spake unto me. So Ezekiel finds himself being filled with the spirit of God for something. So if you let your eye run down now to verse 8, you'll see what the Lord has to say to him. He says, but thou son of man, notice that son of man, it's a title that he gave Ezekiel. It's the same title that the Lord took. Hear what I say unto thee. Be not thou rebellious, like that rebellious house. Open thy mouth, and eat that I give thee. And when I looked, behold, an hand was sent unto me, and lo, a roll of a book was therein. And he spread it before me, and it was written within and without and there was written within lamentations and mournings and woe. Let your eye go over to chapter 3 now and verse 1. It says, Moreover, he said unto me, Son of man, eat that thou findest. Eat this roll and go speak unto the house of Israel. So you notice that the Lord fills him with the Spirit. But he fills him for a task. Because he has to go unto this rebellious house. And he has to speak the word that the Lord has given him. But also, you notice he has to eat the scroll. So he has to understand the message. And the only way he can understand the message is when the Spirit of the Lord comes upon him to reveal it to him. So now he's strengthened that he can go onto a rebellious house because of the Spirit. He is able to preach the message to them. And he's able to understand it. So that was his filled with the Spirit. So go with me, please, to uh, verse 17. Sorry, chapter 3, verse 17. Now, here's the responsibility that comes with it. So we've had a vision, we've had him being filled with the Spirit, and now here comes responsibility. It says, Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me. Now, you'll notice a watchman. One was a very lonely job, but it was exceptionally important. The watchman was the one to look out for danger. He had to be sober, he had to be faithful, he had to be diligent to what he was doing. But also, you'll notice, he walked and he would have done his work in darkness. But he was the one to be the bearer of light. He had the torch with him. And you see, if you see the the enemy come, the watchman's responsibility was to light the signal fires. It was to light a big warning fire for everybody in the city. So they know that the enemy was coming. And this is what Ezekiel's being told. Now look at what verses 18 and 19 say here. It's when, when I say unto the wicked, thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning, nor speaketh to warn the wicked one from his wicked ways to save his life. The same wicked man shall die in his iniquity. But his blood will I require at thy hand. Yet if thou warn the wicked, and he turn not from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, 
he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. And even the next two verses he goes on to say about the righteous man. If he comes off a righteous way and you don't warn him that he's drifted from that, war, from that path, he says, Ezekiel, on your head be it, because I've given you the message. He said, I've given you my spirit to do it. So you've got to go out and warn them. You've got to go out and tell them. Because there's coming a day, Ezekiel, when I'll ask you what you've done. And Ezekiel had to understand this. And then he had to take that responsibility on for himself to go and do what the Lord had told him to do. And then if you like to flip over to Ezekiel chapter 37. We've done a bit of a whistle-stop tour this morning of Ezekiel. I'm sure a few verses you've all, all heard very well. We'll start at verse 1. Ezekiel 37 and verse 1. And it says, The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones. Down to verse 3. <clears throat> and he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Again he said unto me, Prophesy unto these bones and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus say the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and ye shall live, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. He's showing Ezekiel that life was coming back into the house of Israel once again. That the Lord was going to move once again mightily in the midst of them. Now a lot of people say this is a future date. But when you look at history. You will see that the Lord started to move upon the house of Israel. Because there was a time when the Catholic Church had complete dominion. Over everything that was churches, the Bible and everything. And I'm not, I'm not saying this from, a, from a, uh, an embittered point of view because I was brought up as a Catholic. But I'm just telling you history and the truth. That's what it was. And they, they had complete dominion on everything. People could not even read the Bible. And what it was, when they were in the churches, they told people what the Bible said and what they should be doing. And they started to distort what the words said for their own ends. And that's just the truth. That's what they did. And then what happened was, they were in the this vision that he had. It was the dry bones there. And then he started to, to, to the sinews to come together. Then you started to have what they called the reformers. Which was the likes of John Wycliffe. Started coming proclaiming the word of God as it should be. As the scriptures dictated. You started to have people like John Huss, uh, uh, Martin Luther who cried sola scriptura, so the scriptures alone. And these men started then to, to, to let people have access to the word of God again, that they could actually read it for themselves to see what the truth of it said. 
and they were come against and they were persecuted badly. But it didn't matter because they had the spirit, the life of God was starting to come back into them. And then from that, you had the breath started to come, which was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. When you had people like Charles Parnham and John Lake, and then they started to, to see the spirit of God, and they started to see the spirit move on people. And the mighty revivals that they saw in, in, in uh, America. And then over here in Wales with the Welsh revival. Ewan Roberts, when he cried out in that church, Oh, bend us, oh God! Because he had that heart for Christ. The breath of God was starting to come up on that nation. They were starting to shake the foundations of it. And then you had George and Stephen Jeffries proclaiming the word of God once again. And the power and the fire of the Holy Spirit started to come on places. Thousands upon thousands were getting saved and healed because the breath of God started to move. A summary, if you like, of Ezekiel's <clears throat> life, if you like. And I've split it into a few sections here. He got the vision, the revelation of who God really was what he could do on his dominion. Then he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Because he was to be strengthened, he had to understand the message of God and he had to preach it with power to a rebellious house. Then he was told the responsibility of it. Ezekiel, you've got a responsibility. It's my message. You can't change it. You've got to go and preach it as it is and tell them. And then life started to come. It was revealed to him that the life would come back into the house of Israel. And they would start to breathe again. And they would start to proclaim the word again. I think this is a pattern for the church. We had the vision. We've had the vision of Jesus Christ, Christ alone. It's in his precious blood. It's what he's done for us. We have access to everything now because of what he did on the cross. And we have to keep this church in mind of what Christ has done and who we are in Christ. Because it says in Proverbs 29 and 18, it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. We can't perish. We have to keep who Jesus Christ is and what he can do. And then secondly, it's the Spirit. The Spirit of God has to move in a church. The Spirit has to move. It can't be quenched because if it is, then the only suggestion I have is that we go out them doors and shut them. Because 90% of churches in this province alone, it's like going to a funeral service on a Sunday. There's no Spirit. There's nothing moving in the church. And you've got loads and loads of preachers that are standing up there. And I mean this in love, but it's the truth. If you look in the Bible, I don't find any man that preached the word of God that wasn't filled with the Spirit. So then why do we have preachers that have no notion of the Spirit? And yet they come to tell us that's wrong. How do you know? How do you know? You've never had the Spirit of the Lord move upon you. How do you know whether it's wrong or not? 
when the scriptures tell you so. Whether it was in the Old Testament, whether it was in the New. They were all filled with the Spirit of God before they could preach. Should it not be the same now? I don't see that the Bible's any different. And then we have the responsibility. On my word, when I hear preachers, I cringe. Because there's a responsibility with the word of God. To preach the message how it should be preached. Not bless you, have a good day. It's the word of God. Is it, is it all about Jesus Christ or is it all about money? What's it about nowadays? It's Christ and Christ alone. It's only Christ that can change a man. It's only the blood of Jesus Christ that can do a move or a work in anybody. Everything we preach should be around Christ because I see Jesus Christ in every page of this book. I see him. I don't understand it when other people can't. That's how it should be. It's our responsibility. To not understand that we're going to stand before the Lord one day. I'm going to stand before the Lord one day. And he's going to say, what did you tell my people? I have a responsibility to tell you the truth. To tell you the truth. But church, if we keep the vision, if we keep the Holy Spirit moving, if we keep this in mind our responsibility, then life will come. Life will come. The Lord will start to move. The Spirit of God will start to touch. He will start to bring the young ones in that we've been praying for. He'll start to touch the families that we've been broken hearted over. He'll start to move because he'll start, the world will start to see the Spirit of God living in people. They'll start to see a church on fire for Christ. And we know when you start a fire, people are going to see it burn. Start a fire. Let's be on fire for Jesus. Because it's all about him. And I want to give you one of these promises. You'll see it not only in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament all over. I think it's fantastic. It's a verse I always keep close to my heart. I'll quote it from Psalm 110 and verse 1. And it said this. In the Lord spoke it himself when he walked the earth. It said, the Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thy enemies thy footstool. Let me tell you something, brother, sister. You're on the winning side this morning if you're in Christ. He's got to make his enemies thy footstool. And people say, well, that's when he's, people say, that's when he's coming back. Well, trust me. He says, I'm going to sit at the right hand of the Father until I make the enemies thy footstool. That's not about when he comes back. That's when the church rises up and I see spirit-filled people of God proclaiming the gospel and he touches a land like Northern Ireland. That's when they see the fire of God come in them. That's what it's talking about. It's not when the Lord comes back. It's when the people realize who they are in Christ. That's what happens then. And then you start to see families restored. Then you start to see people saved. Then you start to see people healed. And then you start to hear the word of God resound in the schools again. That's what it's all about, church. Oh, my Lord.
I better stop. Else we'll be here all day. Trust me. Some messages that the Lord really put on my heart. I'm sorry you needed your ear defenders this morning, church, but it's just me. If we can't get excited about the word, what can we get excited about? God bless you, everybody.